can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. So, have you ever heard of this thing called a nephilometer? Say it again. Nephilometer. A nephilometer. I, I have you, not, no. It sounds kind of like the Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street, the nephilometerist, right? I was trying to think. <laughs> I, well, that's why <laughs> I was trying to think of what that uh, prefix could mean, but I don't know. Nephilometer. So, nephilometer is a tool that they use to measure the turbidity of water. So if you actually how cloudy it is, not just even with cloudy, but with hazy water. And it's a tool that we actually sh should be using. It's something that the NSF uses to rate swimming pool water. The CDC has adopted it also. And water is not supposed to be um, greater than 0.5 nephilometric turbidity units as far as clarity is concerned. So this tells you. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm sorry. I've actually never, I didn't realize. So this thing tells you how turbid the water is on like a scale. Correct. Which in turn tells us if it's clear enough to allow people to swim. Ah, okay. So you're more familiar with the Sechi disc, right? That disc with the colors on it that you just fling into the pool. And if you can see all the colors clearly, no, that's a new word for yeah, you. Yeah, no, I don't know what that <laughs> so is either. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of those because somebody has to get the disc out and it's not going to be me. And my net skills are pretty darn good. But when there's something that's perfectly flat and small, it's <laughs> like kind of scooping up a quarter, which I can that's do, fun. but it takes a minute. So I'm not a fan of those. But I guess the thing that we're most familiar with is standing at the edge of the deep end, staring down at the main drain grate and making sure that you can visibly see the screws that hold the grate in place. That you know. I was going to say that, yes. And that's what we use to determine whether or not the water is clear enough to allow people to swim. But if you think about it, that's kind of subjective, don't you think? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like doing the cyanuric acid test. Some people can see that dot at a different level than other people can. It just really depends on your eyesight. And looking for those screws is the same thing. You're using your eyesight to determine whether or not the water is clear enough to swim. And some people mm. just see better than others. Yeah, and you could just walk up to the screw and be like, you know, see it. If you could see it, it's there. Obviously, there's no level of, well, on a scale of one to five, it's about a four or something like that. That's not usually how it goes. So It's like that chart they give you in the doctor's office, like, how do you feel today? And they show you these 10 different faces, right? And some of them are like <laughs> in all kinds of weird, I don't know what face I feel like. I hate when they ask you. I hate when they ask what's your pain level on a scale of one to ten because I never know what I should say. You know, I'm like, uh six and a half. Well that's subjective uh, also, yeah. right? Because the worst pain you've ever felt. I mean no matter what, I always imagine myself, well geez, I bet a gunshot feels worse. So I can't be number ten. Right. That's what I'm and that's the same 
Same way with um, like, I, you know, you, I can't ever give like um, five star ratings on anything or like, you know, employee reviews. You never get a 10. You always will just get a nine because there's always room. I wouldn't for say that in our podcast. There's always room for <laughs> there's always room for uh, more pain in my. Unless you're listening to our podcast, which is definitely always five stars. Yes. Don't exactly. You think? Yes, I agree. Well, I didn't so there mean are podcast. exceptions. I meant like products and, you know. Well, you mean like books, which my books are always also five stars. You get six stars. Thank you. Yeah. Six stars. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So why uh, the reason I'm bringing it up, there's a couple of things that are going on. One, as much as 10% of all drownings in swimming pools in the United States have cloudy water as a contributing factor. Because you cannot see the person struggling. Even if they're just a little hazy. I mean, picture this. You know, you've seen folks in the military, right? Mm -hmm. Or people that go hunting. And what do they typically wear? Um, camouflage. Yes. Thank you for not saying orange vests. I almost said that. And I was like, wait, that's not the right answer. <laughs> but they wear a camouflage. And the reason they wear camouflage, what does that do for them? It makes them blend into the, to the surroundings. You can't, it makes them harder to see. Exactly. It helps them to blend in. And the reason it does that, it's by breaking up their outline. So that's what helps them to blend in a little bit. They don't become invisible. It's not impossible to find them. A good eye could find somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know I have some ex-military person listening right now saying, ain't nobody going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are pretty badass. Those snipers, I'll yeah. tell you what. That's I'm above sure. and beyond my skill set. But the point is, is all it takes is breaking up the outline just a little bit to help somebody to blend into the background. And I can tell you that I know from having to vacuum pools while people are swimming because it makes it harder to see stuff in the water because the water's moving. So if somebody had like a, a blue bathing suit or a light colored bathing suit in cloudy water, I can imagine that that would make it much harder to see them. Well, the point is, it doesn't even have to be, well, you don't have to have that level of turbulence. It doesn't even have to be cloudy. It can be just slightly hazy and break up the outline of a person. Now, think about this from a lifeguard's perspective. If you are up there in the stand and you're on guard duty and you're looking back and forth, back and forth, right? You want that water to be crystal clear. I mean, if somebody's in trouble, you want them to pop like it's HD. Mm -hmm. They have 10 seconds to react. That's how much time they're allotted. They have 10 seconds from the time somebody starts to have a problem to the point that they're in the water helping that person. Can you just imagine after staring at something? Because they sit up in that chair for two hours at a time. So can you imagine mm -hmm. sitting there just looking back and forth? It's like watching a tennis match that's not even happening, right? Back and forth. And then somebody starts to have trouble. I mean, I could imagine after an hour, an hour and a half, you know what? My eyes are fuzzy. I'm looking at the same thing over and over again. Now I have yeah. a little bit of a hazy water condition and I just completely miss it. Yeah, for sure. Could you see how could that could, I could see how that could happen. It's definitely a possibility. Mm -hmm. So now think about hotel pools, apartment complex pools, backyard pools. With no lifeguards. With no lifeguards. Now it's up to the other patrons on the deck to try to see these people. And they're not sitting there with their eyes glued on that pool 100% of the time. These things can go unnoticed. And we're only talking about hazy water right now. If it's milky, forget about it. Yeah. Well, all right, y'all. Check it out now. Check it out now. Check it out now. Aquastar Pool Products is a leading maker of VGBA-compliant drain covers and also offers skimmers, autofill, deck drains, cleaners, mosaics, 
ozone, chemical feeders, spa jets, and fittings to the industry. Aquastar's products are even made right here in the USA. For more info, visit aquastarpoolproducts.com. There was a case up in, and you can Google this, it's definitely searchable. Not right now. Stop it. Okay. I'm not, I'm I'm getting a piece of chicken. Again with the chicken. Where did that come from? I'm hungry. Uh, (laughs) Listen, I was prepared today. I had this made before we hit record. Where'd you get the chicken from? Publix. (laughs) And you went there yourself and got it? No. No, I did not. Because, hold on. (laughs) Sorry, that was a big bite. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (sighs) No, I Instacarted it today again because, I don't know, I forgot how great it was because it had been a while. Thank God there's an app out there that can help people that are disorganized as you are. (laughs) Listen, I resemble that remark. 110 (laughs) parts per million. Got it. So, (laughs) all right. So, but up in Massachusetts, and this goes quite a few years back, and I forget, I think it was an HOA, and it just happened to be a comedy of errors. I mean, there's no, it wasn't funny at all, actually. It was a very, very sad case. So there's this HOA swimming pool, and the water's cloudy. It's milky white. It's so cloudy, you can't even see the second tread on the ladder. Oh, my. The HOA decides they don't want to close the pool. They want their guests to be able to enjoy it because, you know, people are going to complain and they'd rather not hear it. So the next day. People get nasty about it, too. The pool service company comes out and they do their job. They sweep, they brush, they test, they do the filter. They do not close the pool. They do not recommend that the pool be closed. They just do their job and leave. Pool's still milky white. A day or two later, here comes the health official. She comes out, happens to be a lady health official. She comes out doing her inspection for the pool, does all of her checks, and passes it. Still milky white, but the pool passed the inspection. Later that same night, a group of kids happen to jump the fence with a six-pack of beer and decide they're going to hang out around the pool. That's not uncommon. It happens all the time. You've done it. You probably did it yesterday. (laughs) I can tell where this is going. I did go into pools yesterday, too. (laughs) So they jump the fence. They start hanging out in the pool, and they stumble across the body that the police estimate have been in the pool and under the water (gasps) for five days. Everyone missed it. I did not not expect that. That's not you totally uh, plot twist. Yeah, it wasn't. The HOA missed it. The pool service company, they missed it. The health official passed the pool for inspection with this body in the water. Oh, my God. How long ago? No. How long ago did you say? Five, six years, maybe. Maybe a little bit more. I mean, it was within the last decade. But super. I mean, it, it really brings forward how scary cloudy water is. Because first of all, let's think about it. Had that person been struggling in the water and there had been people around and they actually could have seen her, they might have been able to get her out right on the spot. But no, instead, something happened. She's underwater. And then all of these different people who are trained professionals came out. One of them's even sweeping and vacuuming. Oh, man. Ew. Never comes across the body. So it's really scary. So when you think about backyard pools, think about cloudy water. Think about murky water. Think about algae problems. And then think, what if one of the neighbor kids run across your yard and falls in? And you don't even know. How long is it going to be before anybody sees that child? Well, I mean, I imagine until the body starts to float, but 
oof, I, I can't believe that a person was in the bottom of a pool for five days and not one single person. That part that whoever vacuumed did a real crappy job. Five days. That's very sad. Five days. Is that not insane? Now I may be off by a day or two, but it doesn't matter. Very I mean, sad. It's, it's, it all happened within a week. Very insane. And all of those people did miss that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's scary. Cloudy water is a big problem. And now, so let me ask you, you walk up on a pool and it's cloudy water. What's your first step? What's the first thing that you, I mean, I know what my first step is, but what's the first thing you would do if you walk up on a cloudy pool? I, I'm going to check the chemicals. That's the first thing I do, you know, pretty much regardless of the water situation. I'm going to look and see. Get the water test kit, right? Yeah, I'm going to look and see what's going on inside the water. You know, some it might be an easy fix. It might be something a little more complicated. But that's the first thing I do is check. Right off the bat, right off the bat, I'm thinking high pH. Yeah, or like super high alkalinity, super high pH. Right. And that can cause cloudy water because when the pH is high, you do tend to have more problems with the saturation index. And then things could actually precipitate out of solution, right? Mm-hmm, yes. So let's go with, um, if the saturation index is high, you're likely to have more precipitate. And what's going to precipitate out is calcium, but the calcium is what's going to be the cloud. So a high saturation index can contribute, will contribute to cloudy water. So you want to check all those parameters. And that's because you're basically causing a scale forming situation, right? Right. So when we talked about the LSI, what, last week, the week before, and we said basically we didn't trust it anymore. But right. it is the only tool that we have. So we're still going to have to use it. It's all we got. So we know when water is scale forming that calcium precipitates out. So when the pH and total alkalinity are high, we see more calcium in the water, undissolved calcium, and that's what makes the water cloudy. So when the light reflects, refracts off of those different particles, that's what makes it so that we can't see beyond the surface. So you're correct. Those are two things I would look for, uh, pH and total alkalinity, see where those levels are. So, and a lot of times you're right, the pH is high. Cloudy water, yep. check the pH. pH is high, add acid, problem solved. I have had instances where my, sorry, where my pH is high and my alkalinity is low. And so then I have to, uh, I have a tough decision. <laughs> so what do you do then? Normally I will go ahead and just raise the alkalinity to where it should be and then deal with the pH later. Okay. So you'll bring up the total alkalinity and then add acid to lower the pH. Yes. You know what, I would I would probably do it the other way. Oh, really? If the total alkalinity is low and the pH is high, I would probably add acid to lower my pH and then use bicarb to bring my total alkalinity up because bicarb does not have a major effect on pH. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be the easier way to go. I remember- Wouldn't you be afraid what, of, sorry, wouldn't you be afraid of uh, like damaging anything? I mean, I guess it would depend on the actual alkalinity level, but- Well, you're also looking at the time frame. If, if it's a week apart, then maybe if it's two weeks apart. But if I'm doing this in a series where it's not spread that far apart, I'm going to do it that way. It's just going to be um, your way has a greater potential to be a yo-yo, uh, meaning that you raise the total alkalinity. Now I add acid to drop my pH. Guess what? It's bringing the total alkalinity work. down again. And you're right. in a position where you just did exactly what I said, right? You have to add acid to drop the pH, then bring the total alkalinity back up. So I might as well just do that right off the bat. Drop my pH, which is going to drop both. 
then add bicarb to bring my total alkalinity up to where I need it to be. I know that makes sense. Okay. So if it's not now, if that doesn't solve the problem, what next? Well, then I'm going to go straight to the filter. Yes. Um, because you know, there could be some issue there. If I have a filtration, 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 definitely. Yes. Filtration and circulation are huge. They are just as an important, much an important part of keeping that pool clear as water chemistry. I agree. <laughs> it's because it's correct. <laughs> so there you go. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what are you looking for specifically in there? For the filters? Yeah. Well, like I said uh, a second ago, where I'm mostly cartridge, my market, I have z almost zero, zero, pretty much zero sand filters. I've seen one in the last 10 years. Um, so yeah, I'm going to check those cartridges, make sure they're clean, make sure that they're circulating, circulating properly. The pressure's good. Um, if it needs, if the cartridge needs to be replaced, I'll go ahead and try and get an approval for that. If it happens to be a DE filter, um, I'm going to make sure that, you know, all my DE is staying in that filter. Everything's backwashed and rinsed and new DE powder. Just going to go through those steps. Sounds like a plan. I had one a few years ago back when I had my service company that kicked my ass. I'll tell you, it was at an apartment complex, student housing. It was one of those facilities that had two pools, mm. right? So if you're in an apartment complex that has two pools, there's usually one right behind the leasing office. Uh -huh. And then there's one on the other end. And that's the one that everybody uses because nobody wants to swim in the one right behind the leasing office. Mine are the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because you take care of retirement homes. Hey, no, not all of them are. <laughs> in either case, usually people don't use the one right behind the leasing office. I mean, if they do, it's the families, it's the mother and the child. It's not the party pool, right? That's the other one. Right. So this right. is the one gotcha. right behind the leasing office. Three times a week, small pool. Hardly anybody swims in this pool. I think it's if it had a bather load of maybe 10 people a week, that would be a lot. People really did not swim in this one. Oh, wow. So I'm walking up to the pool three times a week. I was there on Friday. Everything was great. The filter didn't need to be cleaned, but I cleaned it anyway because I always feared the day that I would have to clean is all of my vacuum DE filters in one day because there's just not enough time for that. So Ugh. I clean the filter anyway. I test my water chemistry. It's perfect. I add everything that I added on Wednesday that kept it going through. It's a three-time-a-week pool. I come back out Monday. Again, everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. Good to go. I made it through the weekend, so I repeated the dose of chemicals that I added on Friday, just thinking because, you know, if that got me from Friday to Monday, surely that dose will get me from Monday to Wednesday. Filter's still running good. Everything's cool. Start to come back on Wednesday. I'm pulling my car, walking along, dum -dum 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 -dum, right? And I approach the pool, and there I can see the pool, and it's kind of got this opaque mm. look to it. And my first thought is, <laughs> whoa. So... <laughs> I get up alongside of it, and it's one of those cloudy water situations where you really can't make out the treads on the ladder, like yeah. the one we were speaking about. So like you suggested, the first thing I did was I tested the water chemistry. My chlorine level was at zero. Love it. I don't remember where my pH was at, at this point, but it wasn't high. So that wasn't the problem. But my chlorine level was at zero. This is in a pool that nobody swims in. It was in August, so I don't even have uh, pollen or any of that type of stuff or to rain. contend with that I just added chlorine to on Monday and my chlorine level was low. So now I'm thinking, well, this has one of those erosion feeders. I think it had a Pentera rainbow feeder type of thing with the mm -hmm. tubing. 
right? Mm-hmm. To hook it up. So I'm thinking, all right, well, maybe something happened to the tubing. The tubing broke inside the pump room. It's kicking out all the chlorine all over there. That might be what my problem is. So I go down into the catacomb-like Hannibal Lecter pump room that we have there, just bending and squeezing around all the different beams and bodies or what have you. And I make my way over to the chlorinator and there's no problem. But I see that my flow rate had dropped to zero gallons per minute. Flow rates at zero gallons per minute. This is on a filter that I just cleaned four days ago, four or five days ago, and nobody swims in a pool. Was it a body? So I come up... Luckily, no. So I come back up out of the pump room and I'm standing there. I'm scratching my head trying to figure out what's going on. And I notice across from me on the deck of the pool, there are all these dead leaves in mid-August. Leaves don't die in Florida in August. They certainly don't fall in August. So I go over there to check it out. And as I get there, there's this black tar-like goo all over everything. I'll top the raised beam on the patio furniture, the deck itself, like gross. So I'm standing in there. And as I'm standing there, I think I see a snowflake pass by. A snowflake? In August, in Florida, in yes. In Florida. A legit snowflake passes by. And I'm thinking to myself, well, man, I must have inhaled way too much chlorine in that pump room. <laughs> Either that or the 80s are really catching up to me quick. <laughs> in either case, I happen to see a few more. And then I noticed on some of the leaves that there were these little snowflakes and they seemed to move about. And I saw some across the surface of the water. So I collected some samples and I brought Mm. them directly over to the University of Florida. And I went right into the entomology department. And within five minutes, they had these under a microscope. And what we found was the Asian woolly hackberry aphid, which is an invasive species of aphid first discovered in Duval County. Duval! Oh, down south? No, Jacksonville, 1999. In 1999. Oh, I'm sorry, Duval. I just immediately was like, Duval Street. (laughs) Sorry. Don't you watch Evil Dead at all? The Evil Dead? Yeah, I watched How about A Better Place? No. No. Anyway, either case. Sorry. (laughs) So these have since You should do the woolly. Hold on. Sorry. When you say woolly, aphid, whatever, when you do that, you should drop some music in, like a dun dun dun. You should drop that in. So we have uh, <laughs> back to where we were at. So these have since spread as far south as yes. Orlando and as far north as Atlanta. And they have a fondness for this hackberry tree. And what they do, and this this is what's typically planted around pools in this part of Florida, is you'll see a lot of these hackberry trees. So what they do is they'll fly up and underneath the leaf, they'll go and they have a proboscis similar to a mosquito. That's the part that they inject into you and draw out the blood, right? Except these things. I know I'm familiar because I know but these are not blood sucking aphids. Thank goodness. So <laughs> so what they do is they draw the sap out of the leaf, which causes it to prematurely die and fall, which explains my dead leaves. The oh. black tar-like goo was the sugar-rich excrement of the aphids. So the deck was covered in fly shit. But it didn't just cover the deck. Yes. It went into the pool as well. I just couldn't see it because the water was cloudy, and that's what clogged up the filter and what used up all of my chlorine. I have had a very similar situation, except I never took anything into the University of Florida. Cool. (laughs) 
No, I had pretty much the same exact thing. I had some, you know, I don't remember any of the chemical readings because this was literally like uh, 15 or so years ago. Yes, I've been doing pools that long. Wow. Since you were 40, huh? Um, so same thing happened where I could not. Yeah. Hey, rude. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I had the same thing happen. I had, you know, the chlorine dropped out of the pool. There was still stabilizer. I was super confused. And this was, you know, I was pretty new into cleaning. Well, not new, but like, I didn't care as much. We'll just go ahead and say it. So, um, I didn't know about phosphates and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it turns out long story short, similar to your thing. I had no idea what was going on. Couldn't clear it. The filter was clogged with all this goo. I didn't have black stuff on the pool. But anyway, it turns out it was white flies, which do the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, except they don't like hackberry trees, do they? No, they do palm trees, uh, specific, specific uh, types of palm tree. It's not on every single tree. Well, luckily, luckily you guys don't plant those near pools in South Florida. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's our selling point, bro. There's, <laughs> that's the selling point. There's palm tree roots grown into every single pool down here. I don't even, so yeah, they, um, but you know what? I actually did have one lady where, um, I noticed a whole bunch of black stuff under on her, uh, she had pavers. This wasn't anywhere near the pool. Thank God. But she did have a bunch of black gooey tarry stuff all down or all over her pavers, right directly underneath a palm tree. And when I went and looked up outside the pool, there they were. The whole tree was covered in them. So it's difficult to take care of. It really is. Those are hard to kill. <laughs> yeah, it was a pain. Back in when this happened to me, I think it was in 2013. So I got to this point, I could clear the water with large amounts of calcium hypochlorite. So I would add a mm -hmm. large doses of the granule chlorine. The water would get clear, but it would only stay clear for about two hours. Then it would start to get cloudy again. So I reached out and I called Natural Chemistry Products. Do you know those folks? I do. Tom's a good friend of mine. Tom Paragini comes out the next day and meets me at the pool. Tom Paragini being the rep for Natural Chemistry Products. He meets me poolside. Did you know his daughter read a book? Say again? His daughter wrote His a book. daughter did wrote get, two books, you know? and I have them both. Yes. Two books. I have the one. I don't have They're the other They're very good. She's a very talented young lady. But he meets me at the pool, yes, and this is when is. I meet Tom for the first time, and he comes out to help me out, So, which I thought was kind of cool because at the time, you know, I'm nobody. I'm just Rudy the pool guy. And I call up this company and say, hey, mm -hmm. you know what? I have this going on. And they say, well, let us get somebody out there. And the next day, he was out there, and he came with some product and stuff like That's that. Awesome. And we took the property manager with us, and we went through what was going on at this pool. And he gave me a bunch of product and we went with, I think the pool first aid, which was doing good, but we were still having that constant influx of fly poop. And of course what you put in can only treat what's in the water right now, not what's coming. So we had to right. add a bunch of it and a bunch of it. And trust me, it held its own, but not ultimately the solution. We didn't end up having to get a pesticide company come out, take a look at the tree. And they said, well, you know, we can treat the tree if you want, but we're not going to do it. And I was like, what? Well, Bye. they said, here's the thing. The branches extended out over the pool, and they didn't want to be responsible for anything they sprayed on this tree ending up in the pool water. So they said um, what they could do, though, is sense. they could inject the roots with a horticultural oil that would wipe out the population for next season. And I'm like, shit ton of good that does me now, 
right? I have this milky pool. This apartment complex is in turns. <laughs> it's the middle of August. Guess what happens in is happening right now? All the students are moving in. This pool needs the pool is Snowboards a selling feature to- of any apartment complex. This sucker needs to look good. Nobody wants to move into the place that has the milky white pool and the huge aphid infestation. What they end up doing, it turns out, I, I think the um, the owner or the president of this management company loved trees. He loved nature. He loved wildlife, which is really cool. I do, too. But we had to solve this problem. So the apartment complex, what they did was they got a team together of tree people. Not like tree surgeons. Maybe. I had to look that up. Did you, that's a thing. They are called tree surgeons. Anyway, continue. Well, that's what happens if Groot gets sick. <laughs> Right. I like it. So in either case, they cut down the tree and they sneak it out in the middle of the night and put down um, sod. So it looks like there was everyone <laughs> there in the first place. But that's the steps that it could take to go through to figure out why something's cloudy. I mean, and it seems awfully involved. I know. But you know what? I have other polls in this county, so I want to know what's going on in case it happens to any of them as well. And it is something that could be countywide or tri-county or statewide in that area. So. Cloudy water problems, definitely a huge concern. Did you, was that your flux capacitor moment when you, when you came up with the catchphrase, uh, think outside the pool? Is that what, is it that might your be. Doc Brown it, moment? <laughs> which I was accused of not doing in the call about natural pools. <laughs> he, oh. he actually did. He goes, come on, Rudy, think outside the box. I'm like, are you oh, freaking no. f-ing kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Be like, bitch, I think outside the pool. What? <laughs> yeah. Tell me anyway. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so we're like, and, and taking that tree out was ultimately what solved the problem. As long as that tree was in place and infested, that water was never going to be clear and it was never going to be safe to swim in. And I didn't think was about it. Was it just one tree? I'm sorry. Was it just one tree? It was one big mamma jamma of a tree. Okay. And I don't, I'm not familiar with a hackberry tree. Is it? It's I'll a weed that it really just grows out of control and turns into a tree. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So, well, just to compare situations. So, yeah, the white flies, as, as I mentioned, they go, they infest um, certain palm trees off the top of my head. I'm not going to name all of them. I think it's like a coconut palm and one other one. And they'll also um, infest ficus trees and also certain lime trees. So people will put all of those things all around their pools, except for the ficus. They get really big, but those are in people's yards. And then the branches are hanging all over the house. You have to make sure that you dust your ficus leaves. Dust them with what? Something that dusts. (laughs) Well, I don't know how the process for removing the aphids is, but my husband in pest control, uh, white flies, the spiral white fly is a bitch to remove. And like you said, I think ultimately. You got to burn the tree down. Matches. Removing removing the tree i mean they have a whole they have like their whole system and you know their whole thing that they can do without having to kill the tree and i'm not sure if it's exactly what you mentioned they do drill into the tree and then inject something and then like you can't eat any of the fruit from the tree for a certain amount of years residential pool that you could very easily fit a baby dolphin in (laughs) there you go (laughs) 
I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 